0: Our yeah, Father God, please come and and uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit as we come to your word and this very important subject. We pray that you would have your way with us and that you would have your way with me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when I was still a student, uh, I used to drive to Natal University in this old green um, VW Golf. And there would always be a couple of mates with me in the car because it helped to, you know. Just It just it made it fun. Um, one night, about 10 o'clock, just outside Middleburg, the car broke down. And so I went, I went to the back of the car, and um, I, I always packed an emergency light and a toolkit near the top so that I could easily get to it. And uh, I took these things out and I connected the light to the battery. And the guy that was with me in the car just said, that's amazing, Ian, do you always travel with, this, with all this kit? You know, and I said, "Yeah, I do. Don't, don't you?" Um, it was astounding to him that I would go on a trip with a toolbox and all sorts of kit, and it was astounding to me that he wouldn't go on a trip <laughs> with all of that stuff. And the reason why I, I learned this is because my dad was uh, one of those people who was always prepared. You know, the old Boy Scout motto: "Be prepared." And he sort of drilled it into me that you plan ahead, and so. This, this, for example, was his, his drawing kit and uh, he gave it to me when I went to university and right there at the top left hand corner was what you can see on the, on the overhead, plan ahead, which is a little bit ironic, I hope you see the joke. Um, and <laughs> Gail laughed anyway. <laughs> if he'd been planning ahead it all would have fitted in, just in case he needed that explanation. Um, and, and then there was something else which I didn't, um, I didn't take on board. There was another stick on here saying, work is the curse of the drinking class. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I realized that there was a whole lot of stuff that I'd learned from my dad, uh, Gail, as well. For example, when we first got married, we moved into our flat. Whenever we went out, I would lock, I'd first of all, make sure all the windows were closed. Then I'd lock all of the doors and the interleading doors. And She was like, why, why are you doing all of that? We never did that in our family. No, that's just what you do, you know. So my dad had sort of drilled into me, and he hadn't necessarily um, made a conscious effort to disciple me, but he had decided that there were certain things, and um, things needed to be done, and they needed to be done in a certain way, and he consistently did them in the same way, and because I was in relationship with him and I spent time with him, those things rubbed off on me. And so he was actually discipling me. And so, that, so today what we'd like to talk about, and we'll come back to this again, is this command which God has given us that some people consider so important that they call it the 11th commandment. I'm not sure that I would necessarily go that far with it, but there's no doubt that it is very important. And we call it in the Christian faith the Great Commission. And at the heart of the Great Commission is discipleship. In fact, when we talk about the Great Commission as we'll see today, we're really talking about discipleship. And so I'm going to talk about this under four headings today, and we're going to use two passages. So the first one is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and then the second one, Matthew 24, 14. Um, the headings, the meaning of discipleship, the importance of discipleship. We need to know that it's important before we give our lives for it. The process of discipleship, and then also the confidence that we have as we go to disciple others. So let's have a look, first of all, at the meaning of discipleship. That word discipleship, the English word, doesn't appear in any of the Bible translations. That's a significant thing to to mention. And the meaning of that word discipleship is actually quite ambiguous. So if I were to say to you, I'm involved in a discipleship program, it could mean that I'm being discipled, or it could mean that I am discipling other people. So it's a process that I'm putting others through, or it could be a process that I'm going through myself. And as we read through the Bible and as we look into history and look at some of the cultural historical background, the the Hebrew people were very strong on this idea of discipleship. And discipleship was essentially, uh, or a disciple, was essentially a companion of his teacher, He was learning from his teacher, he did life with his teacher, and he learned from what his teacher did and what his teacher said. That's why, in a sense, I was discipled by my father. That's why you, if you're a father or a mother, are discipling your children. Now, where is that noun, discipleship, doesn't actually appear in the Bible? There is a verb that's mentioned several times, and it it is to make disciples. Matheteo, to make disciples. So if we look at Acts 14, verse 21, it says there, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, to make disciples, there's the verb, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So here, making disciples means to preach the gospel so that people get converted into Christians and therefore they become disciples of Jesus. It's so important for us to remember, isn't it, that we don't become disciples of Ian Ray or of Trevor Loudon stool or of Stephen Furtick or anybody else on the internet. We become disciples of Jesus. He is our teacher. Let's move on to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and I'll read it to you because we're going to be looking at this Uh, in quite a lot of detail and Jesus came and said to them so this was right at the end before he ascended up to heaven it was the last thing that he said to his disciples he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me just imagine that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the verb make disciples assumes that there is going to be a preaching of the gospel, which leads to conversion, but then it includes also the whole process of being baptized and becoming Christ-like. Before we Continue. It's just important to note that a disciple is not a second-stage Christian. You're not a, an under-par Christian if you're a disciple. No. What, and, and in fact, often when you read books about discipleship and you hear teaching from different churches, they seem to imply that there's a distinction between a convert and someone who is being disciple, uh, discipled and someone who is discipling others. That is not the case. We've all been converted. We are all being discipled, and we should all be discipling in discipling others. The Bible teaches actually that a disciple is simply a Christian. Just look at this Acts eleven twenty six. And when he, referring to Barnabas, had found him Saul, Paul, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year they met with the church. And taught a great many people. They were in the process of discipling people, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Isn't that significant? Every person who has been converted needs to be taught how to become a Christian, how to think like a Christian, how to act like a Christian, and it's a lifelong process. And you can see there that those two words are used exchangeably in Acts 11. That disciples are Christians. Every Christian is a disciple. And folks, we need to be taking steps to make sure that we are being taught how to think and act like a Christian at our stage in our spiritual development. And we also need to be involved in taking steps to help other people find out how to become like Christ. And we need to take steps also to make sure that people are being converted. So can you see those three aspects? Making sure that we're involved in the process of helping people getting converted, making sure that we are being discipled ourselves, and then making sure that we are discipling others. Why is it important? Let's just find my water. We'll start with Matthew twenty-four, fourteen. What Jesus is saying here is that one of the signs that he is about to come back is the fact that the gospel gets preached to everybody on earth. So if we want to speed the return of Christ, then we should be making sure and getting involved in the gospel going out so that people can be converted and then also that discipleship is happening. This is why it's so critically important. If you want Jesus to return, and I want him to return, I can't wait to go and be with the Father. Um, I want Jesus to come. Um, I need to get involved with his work of getting that gospel preached to the whole of creation. And then if you look in Matthew 28, 18 to 24, I told you that Jesus spoke these words to the disciples just before he went up to heaven. And a person's final words are important, aren't they? When someone is on their deathbed and they start speaking, everybody leans in to hear what they're saying. Because usually it is very, very significant. They want to say something important. So that's another reason why discipleship is important. Here's another. Jesus' last words here were literally a command. They were in order. In fact, there's only one command in, that, in those verses, and it is, Make disciples. That is in the imperative. That is a command. And the rest, going, baptizing, teaching, are all modifiers of the command. They're all telling us how we fulfill the command to make disciples. Then just look at the authority as well. This is important because, I don't know if you remember what it was like at school. If one of your schoolmates told you to do something, then you would say, well, who are you to tell me to do that? But if it was a prefect... Or if it was a headmaster, if it was someone with authority, it was something different. And he says here, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. So this command comes from God ultimately, because God was the one who gave Jesus the authority. And look at the scope of his authority. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth. So we need to prioritize discipleship because Jesus thinks it's important. He ordered us to do it. He's given us the authority and the power to do it, and we will also speed the return of Christ as we do it. The question is how, and you're probably wondering how to answer that question as well. How do we disciple? So let's look now at the third part of this preach, the process of discipleship, and once again, we're going to be using Acts 14.21. And then 28, 18 to 20. We do it in four ways: by preaching, going, baptizing, and teaching. Preaching, going, baptizing, and teaching. Let's look at preaching first of all. Acts 14:21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, folks, we deduce that it's preaching the gospel the good news about Jesus that is the starting point of discipleship, isn't it? People need to hear the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel, um, and in the context of the time, this is what a gospel was. A gospel was news of an objective, history-changing event that had an impact on everyone and everything. And for us, it's the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is that history, life changing. It's a turning point in history because nothing was ever the same after that. And the implications of the fact that Jesus came to die on the cross and was resurrected from the dead, they they have an impact on every, absolutely every aspect of our lives. Paul explains this further in Romans ten, fourteen to seventeen. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? People need to believe in Jesus before they call on him. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Trevor was talking about that. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, Lord, who has believed, and what, what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. As we speak the gospel, as we preach and explain the gospel, people hear it, and it stirs up faith in their hearts to put their trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. I'm sure that all of you are probably sitting there now and just thinking, preach the gospel all very well for Ian. You know, he's, um, I wouldn't say verbal diarrhea, but pretty close to it. I mean, he could just stand up there and he can talk and he can talk for hours all on the same verse. Listen to this. This is what C.S. Lewis said. He said, preaching is like the process of one beggar telling another beggar where to find some bread. That's just what it's all about. It's about building a relationship with someone. Getting to know somebody, and then if I get to know that I can see Mark uh, nodding his head. Thank you, Mark, for encouraging me. <laughs> if I know that Mark's going through some sort of problem in his life, he's not a believer, um, then I just come alongside him and I support him and I help him, and then I say, you know, when I'm going through hard times, one of the things that I've discovered is that prayer just helps so much. Would you mind if I prayed for you? That that is that is a little start of preaching the gospel to mark it's pointing him to the fact that there is a higher authority and that he's made a difference in your life maybe it's inviting a friend to church tell your friend hey i love going to church on a sunday harvest is a fantastic church you really should come with me because here the gospel will be preached and it's not only preached by us at the front it's also preached by all the songs that we sing as well that is a declaration of the gospel invite people to church then they are also excellent organizations. Um, That's part of the reason why I asked Trevor to share today. ZFJ is out there preaching the gospel in our nation. And we are behind them, supporting them financially and through our prayers. Red Frogs this weekend, we've helped them financially. We've been praying for them. They're up sharing the gospel on the O and the A level break. So get involved. Pray for those kinds of organizations. Um, Give support to them when they need to. And when, you need, when, where, when they need it. <laughs> um, there's many different ways. Just remember the ladder principle. If you can think of a ladder leaning up against a wall and at the top of the ladder is when we get glorified, when we get given our resurrection body, when we're like Christ. That's the top of the ladder. The start of the ladder is someone who doesn't even believe in Christ. And we tend to think that our job is to transfer people from the bottom of the ladder right the way to the top all in one witnessing session. Good heavens, no wonder we don't witness. We put so much pressure on ourselves. But if we see it as simply helping people to take one step up to the next rung, maybe the fact that you prayed with them, that's the one step where they start to think, oh, okay, maybe there could be a creator who made all of this. It's just one step at a time. We don't need to go through the whole process all at once. So we do it by preaching. Then we do it by going. Go back to, to Psalm 20, uh, beg your pardon, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's up there on the board. What can we learn there? First of all, Jesus said, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he said, uh, sorry, I'll have to read it up there. Go therefore. Now, because he said go first, we tend to think that that go is actually the command. It actually isn't the command. The command is to make disciples. But we're not going to make disciples unless we make some sort of effort, if, unless we're intentional to get involved in the whole discipling process. And that's why he puts the go first, because it's important. We need to go we need to take some sort of steps and maybe that going is simply walking across the room and going to chat to someone that we haven't chatted to before. That's what that going could look like. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to go all the way to outer Mongolia. Just make an effort to look out of your own life and take care of other people. Find out what's going on in their lives. And these these people that we can potentially disciple it's basically everyone in your sphere of influence everyone that you come across it could be a teller it could be a a petrol attendant it could be somebody at work it could be a security guard everybody is a potential disciple but how do we go well remember that discipleship was essentially about being a companion of the teacher that was how my dad Discipled me. Sometimes in good things, sometimes with bad things, but the reality was he was my disciple because I was with him a lot of the time. He was like a companion to me. And we learn from what the person does and how they do it and what they say and how they say it. So the essence of discipleship is relationship. So how do we go? We go by building relationships. I often find it a struggle because. I'm forced into a situation in many ways because of my work as a pastor that I'm always relating to Christians. So I have to make a very intentional effort to build relationships with people that are not believers. And usually it's, it's through the fact that they're going through some sort of a crisis in their lives, but that doesn't have to be the case for you. It's just simply making a decision to go, to, to take action, to build, start building a bridge of relationship somebody else. Let's not overcomplicate these things. So we've got preaching. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Think of it in those terms. We've got going. It's simply about being a good friend to somebody at whatever level you choose or, or at whatever level they allow you to become a friend. But just reach out. Build a bridge. Go. Then the next one is baptizing. Remember we said that a discipleship is in a personal relationship with Jesus, in a day-to-day relationship with Jesus. And folks, that can only happen through conversion. That can only happen through being born again. So this is a reminder to us that let's not try and get people to be good simply for the sake of being good. No, what we want to do is to help them to get into a relationship with Jesus so that he turns them into a new creation so that he takes their heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh so that he actually sends his holy spirit to dwell in them the temple of the holy spirit which means that they are now in him and he is in them and that's why baptism is such an important feature of this because it's a picture of that conversion it reminds us that we need to change on the inside and so we baptize people as a picture of that hidden change which has happened, picture on the outside, a declaration to the community. And folks, if you haven't been baptized, this is one of the best ways to declare the gospel. This is one of the best ways to preach the gospel to your friends and to your family members by saying, I'm, I'm getting baptized on Sunday. Um, wouldn't you like to come and witness it? Or even if you don't feel free to invite them to come and witness it, maybe you don't think they won't come, but maybe, maybe just by telling them is, is, is preaching the gospel to them. It's saying, you know, I, I recognize that I needed to be changed on the inside, and God has done this, and I'm getting baptized as a result. And I'm, I'm just so looking forward to next Sunday at the moment. Um, I hope we're still counting. We've got four people that are being baptized next Sunday. It's going to be a great event. Because this is a declaration, this is a preaching of the gospel, and I, I can't wait to do it. And we'll we'll take um, videos and photographs so that those people can send them also on WhatsApp to their friends and family members and say, "Hey, I got baptized on Sunday." Declaration of the gospel. So we preach the gospel. Uh, we go baptized, and then the last one, teaching. Being discipled requires teaching. You know when we. When we first give our lives to God, we think that we know God. Even 10, 15, 20 years into our Christian walk, we think that we know God. But there is so much that we don't know about God. The Bible tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an ongoing process. And that's because we just get things so easily wrong. And even as now, even as I, as a, as a more mature believer, I know that there are beliefs that the gospel is still challenging, that the Bible is still challenging. I mean, we've just been through this whole process of talking about election. My word, that's been a real challenge, hasn't it? The fact that God foreknew people before the creation of the world, and he chose them, and he hardened others. I thought I knew God until I started studying that portion of Scripture, and now I've learned stuff about him that I didn't know before. And so we are to obey everything that Jesus has taught us and commanded us, and it involves companionship, it involves being an example, it involves the spoken word, and folks, the primary place where we are taught, and where we teach others, is here. It's in our local church community, partly on a Sunday, but also in what happens in our relationships during the week. Harvest does not have a specific discipleship program And that's because Harvest is (laughs) a discipleship program. We are a discipleship program. We are about teaching people about Jesus and fulfilling this process that we've been talking about. And then last of all, folks, sometimes we just need to be encouraged, don't we, given a bit of a boost of confidence. Remember that Jesus gave you authority. He gave you authority. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And now he's telling us to do something. So we're going under his authority, under his covering. And it also says, Jesus also said, and this is why he said it, I will be with you always until the end of the age. We need to know that God is with us. We need to know that Jesus is with us when we're sharing the gospel with others. Folks, I'd just like to close with the thought. Imagine if no one had declared the gospel to you. Imagine if no one had been involved in your discipleship. Just think of the people that have discipled you over the years. Folks, we, we have a debt to pay in many ways of being involved. Who's going who's gonna to share the good news? Who's going to take it out? It's us. We're the ones who are going to do it. And it's not rocket science. We don't need to have a theological degree to do it. We just need to tell people about the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. That's the preaching side of it. Just telling them where to find a piece of bread, just as we found a piece of bread. It's spending time with them. As we spend time with them, you know, even in our church community here together, and especially in our church community, in life groups, at music practice, We're actually discipling one another. If you want to be a disciple of Mark Robb, then go to music practice. But the thing is that you'll also be discipling Mark. It happens both ways. He will be learning stuff from you. You will be learning stuff from him. You will see Christ in him. He will see Christ in you in a way that he hasn't seen Christ before. He'll be inspired. You'll be inspired. That's why we have so many people serving in the church. Because disciples are Christ followers and Jesus came to be a servant of all and so if we want to learn what it's like to be like Christ then we need to get involved with serving we need to learn how not to give in to the flesh when we're under pressure here setting up the sound system and something's not working and we're irritating one another it's all part of discipleship and so I would just encourage you today and just and just put out the challenge what what is there That God is wanting you to do this week. First of all, to preach the gospel. What is he wanting you to do to disciple others, to position yourself so that you can disciple others? What does he want you to do to position yourself so that you can be discipled?